is awful. <laughs> I mean, one game in. Season's over for Dallas. Mm. That's what it means. Well, Skip, they're not officially eliminated, but they are unofficially eliminated. The season is over. Well, not quite. I'll recap the year and preview tomorrow night's game next on The Wrap-Up. Let's take a journey back to week one of the season. The Cowboys, they lose to the Buccaneers 19-3 on Sunday Night Football in the home opener. One of the worst games that I have ever seen the Cowboys play. And in that game, Dak Prescott suffers an injury to his thumb, breaks his thumb, and would end up missing five weeks of football. Now, at that point, it seemed like the year was over, as you heard Stephen A., Shannon Sharp and many NFL analysts saying the season is over for the Cowboys. However, what they didn't know, and to be honest, what no Cowboys fan realized, was just how good Cooper Rush was going to be. So the Cowboys began the year with a very tough schedule. They play the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Then they play the Cincinnati Bengals, who were in the Super Bowl last year. Then they had the Giants and Commanders. And then they had the LA Rams. So it was a pretty tough test to start the year for Cooper Rush, especially since he had only started one NFL game, and that was last year against the Minnesota Vikings, where the Cowboys won 20-17. Well, that 20-17 number is something that reoccurred, and that was the next week the Cowboys played the Cincinnati Bengals, the reigning AFC champions. They win that game 20-17. to Cooper Rush goes 19 for 31, 235 yards and a touchdown. Brett Maher seals it at the end of the game, a 50-yard kick to win it. And people were stunned. Noah Brown, the top receiver that game, five receptions, 91 yards and a score. But Cooper Rush had just beaten Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, who were coming off a phenomenal season. Then, okay, maybe it's a fluke. They move into next week. They play the New York Giants. They win that one 23-16. Cooper Rush, 21 of 31, 215 yards and one touchdown. So he's not getting a ton of touchdowns, but he's not turning the ball over. The Cowboys are doing their job, and they're winning football games. The next week they go back at home. They're playing Washington, and they win that one again. Cooper Rush, 15 for 27, 223 and two touchdowns. Once again, Cooper Rush does his job. And then the tough test, the LA Rams, the reigning Super Bowl champions, who at this point, they're two and three, they're starting to struggle. And the Cowboys win this one 22 to 10. Cooper Rush doesn't have a single touchdown pass, but he goes 10 for 16 and 102 yards. At this point, the national media and the Cowboys fan base is split in two. It's Team Rush and Team Prescott. And everybody that I talked to, they were Team Rush. Well, Cooper Rush, he's 4-0. The Cowboys are winning football games. There's no need to rush Dak back. And when he does come back, eh, well, maybe just stick with Rush until he starts falling apart. Even general manager owner Jerry Jones said that he was welcoming a quarterback controversy in Dallas. Now, for me, it was always Team Prescott. Prescott, he's being paid more And it's really not even just about the money. It's about the stats. You have to look deeper than just yards and touchdowns and interceptions. See, the big one is EPA, which is expected points added. Dak Prescott has a 14.5 EPA with the Dallas Cowboys, meaning when he's on the field, he averages 14.5 more points with the team than they would without him on the field. Cooper Rush 
it is negative seven and a half. So he's hurting the Cowboys by being out there. And so the quarterback controversy, it stuck around for a week, and then it kind of dropped off after the Philadelphia game. The Cowboys, they move into this one, lost just one game, they're four and one, and the Philadelphia Eagles rolling hot on five and oh, win that game, not a game that I wanted them to win, but the Cowboys roll with the backup, the Eagles win that game 26 to 17, but the big thing is Cooper Rush had a terrible first half. He goes 18 for 38, 181 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions in the game. The Cowboys were down 20-3 to at halftime. They claw their way back into it, and unfortunately, they still lose the game. They only gave up six points in the second half, which once again proves that the defense was winning games and not Cooper Rush. So after that, the Cowboys, they hit that easier part of their schedule. They start with the Lions at home. And it's Dak Prescott's first game back. They win that one 24-6. He looks great. 19 of 25, 207 yards, and one passing touchdown. A great game for Dak Prescott. The Cowboys keep things moving. They beat the Bears by 20 points, 49-29. to Dak Prescott, 21 of 27, 250 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. And then there's a game that every time it happens, it hurts Cowboys fans. And that is Cowboys-Packers. The Cowboys have a big lead going into the fourth quarter. They give up 14 points in the fourth quarter. The Packers tie it. They go to overtime. The Cowboys lose 31-28. to Dak Prescott, 265 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. So the Cowboys are starting to notice a slight issue. Prescott has three interceptions in two games. Then the Cowboys, they hear the noise and they want to silence the haters. They play the 8-1 Minnesota Vikings, who are rolling hot, one of the best teams in the NFC. And they go to Minnesota and they beat them 40-3. Dak Prescott plays one of the cleanest games I've ever seen him play. 22 of 25, 276 yards and two touchdowns. Tony Pollard dominates that game, 80 yards on the ground, 109 through the air, and those two touchdowns that Dak Prescott threw. Phenomenal game for the Cowboys. Then they play the Giants. They win that one 28-20. Then they play the Colts, and that was one of the most exciting games I've seen all season long. The Cowboys, it's a close game. They are up 21-19 going into the fourth quarter. The Cowboys, in that fourth quarter, score 33 points. It was a touchdown pass to Michael Gallup. It was a Malik Hooker fumble recovery for a touchdown, Tony Pollard touchdown, Ezekiel Elliott touchdown, and a Malik Davis touchdown. And the Cowboys win that one 54-19. Dak Prescott only 170 yards through the air, but three touchdowns and just one interception. Then next up was a pretty close call for the Cowboys. They beat the Texans at home 27-23. The Texans moving into this game are 1-10-1. The Cowboys... 9-3, and and Dak Prescott drives 98 yards at the very end of the game to win it for the Cowboys with just a couple seconds left on the clock. So at this point, not quite panic time, but people are starting to wonder, okay, are the Cowboys a really good team? Are they a contender or are they pretending here? Well, the next week, things don't go the way it should for the Dallas Cowboys. They play the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. They lose that game in overtime off of a pick six 
that Dak Prescott threw in overtime, and that is what sealed the game. The Jaguars win that one 40-34. Now, at this point, a lot of people, they are not thrilled with Dak Prescott. He's got a ton of interceptions, and, and they're really not thrilled. He threw two in that game, and they, they're starting to wonder, well, maybe do we go back to Cooper Rush because Dak just isn't able to throw the ball well. And this is something that I've continued to hear over the past few weeks. Moving into the next week, Christmas Eve, a thriller against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles missing Jalen Hurts, hurt with an AC joint sprain in his throwing shoulder. Either way, the Cowboys win that one 40-34. Dak Prescott, three touchdowns, 347 yards, and one interception. And the Cowboys defense did their job, two interceptions off of Gardner Minshew. And that was really the rise of rookie corner Deron Bland from Fresno State, who now has five interceptions on the year. Then the Cowboys go. They play a Thursday night game against the Titans, win that one 27-13. Titans were resting most of their players and really wasn't a good look for the Cowboys. And then the final game of the year, one of the worst games I've seen the Cowboys play. Not quite as bad as that Tampa Bay game, but still very bad. A 26-6 loss to the Washington Commanders in Washington. In that game, Dak Prescott threw another pick six. So I want to talk a little bit about Dak Prescott. He ends the year 2,860 yards, 23 touchdowns, and 15 interceptions. Those 15 interceptions are tied for an NFL high with Davis Mills. Now, one thing that I've heard a lot of people saying over the last few weeks, is, man, Dak Prescott has an interception problem. And yes, I do understand why people are saying that, because obviously 15 interceptions is a really big problem, and that's something that the Cowboys are going to have to be careful of moving into tomorrow night's game, because they cannot afford to turn the ball over against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I want to tell you why. Dak Prescott is throwing these interceptions. You can chalk it up to the thumb injury in week one, and maybe it's still lingering. You can just chalk it up to maybe Dak's just off right now. He's not having the best year. This is the worst year of his career so far. So maybe you can chalk it up to that. But that is not what I'm going to say it is. Because if you go back and you roll the tape, a lot of the interceptions that Dak Prescott has thrown, one in the Titans game, and then the pick six against Jacksonville, he hit his receivers in the hands. Peyton Hendershot in the Titans game grabbed it, bobbled it, and gave it to the defender. And then Noah Brown was hit in the hands. And that one bounces up into the hands of the defender and he returns it for the Jaguars' score to win the game. But, yes, he's had some unfortunate things happen like that. And he's probably had about five or six interceptions just because the receivers can't catch the ball. But the big thing is separation. In the NFL, separation for a wide receiver is key. If you take a look at the most yards of separation, the average per wide receiver in 2022, the top receiver is Jalen Waddell at 18.1 yards. So just over 18 yards of separation. That's insane. Then it's Gabe Davis, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis. You keep moving down the list. Amari Cooper is on this list. Jerry Judy, Tyreek Hill, Mike Williams, Justin Jefferson, D.J. Moore. T. Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson. But there's somebody that's not on this list. Actually, there's nothing on this list with the name 
Dallas Cowboys next to it. Not a single receiver that Dak Prescott has is in the top 20 for yards of separation of wide receivers in the NFL. And if that's not enough for you, because CeeDee Lamb has obviously had a very good year, one of the better years of any Cowboys wide receiver in really the last two decades, 1,300 yards, 9 touchdowns, 107 receptions, a great year for him. But throwing him out of the equation, you take a look, your wide receiver two right now, if you're the Cowboys, is technically going to be Noah Brown. At this point, it really is T.Y. Hilton. But looking at the list, Noah Brown, 555 receiving yards. That's next on the receiving list. Dalton Schultz at 577. So he's the second threat that Dak Prescott has. After him, Michael Gallup at 424. Then Tony Pollard at 371. Jake Ferguson at 174. T.Y. Hilton, who's only played three games, has 121 yards. And he's in the top seven threats that Dak Prescott has. This is not enough for Dak Prescott. One issue that I had in the offseason was trading Amari Cooper for next to nothing. Because, yes, CeeDee Lamb has excelled and he's been the star of this team. But... You still need another threat, and the Cowboys just do not have that. Going back to separation, though, Noah Brown, he finished the year with 2.3 yards of separation. That is tied for 117th out of 121 eligible wide receivers and tight ends. Michael Gallup, not much better. He's at 2.4, which is tied for 116th out of 121. And then if you look at the team in general, 103rd out of 112 in catch percentage. The issue here is not Dak Prescott. The issue is his wide receivers not getting separation and his wide receivers not catching the football. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Now let's go ahead and take a look at tomorrow night's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this is Super Wild Card Weekend and the Cowboys they draw the short straw. ESPN wants that game because of the ratings. And so if they end up winning the game, they're going to have a short week of rest before they head to either Philadelphia or San Francisco. But let's take a look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a whole. They're really not that good of a team this season. We're talking about a team, yes, they won the NFC South, but they did that at a record of 8-9, and nine, so they have a losing record. Of course, they start the year off with a win against the Cowboys, 19-3 at home for the Cowboys. But the Buccaneers, since then, they have not looked all that good. 18.4 points per game, which ranks 25th in the NFL. Now, Brady, he still had a good year. Tom Brady's going to be Tom Brady. He finished third in passing yards with 4,694. He had 25 touchdowns and nine interceptions. For being 45 years old, Tom Brady is still really, really good. So that's something that the Cowboys were always going to have to worry about. Tom Brady 7-0 in his career against the Dallas Cowboys. We have yet to beat him. So maybe tomorrow night we can finally break that curse. But 
Some good news for the Cowboys is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they rank 32nd in rushing yards per game, dead last in the league at 76.9 yards per game. The Cowboys, one big issue they've had in a lot of their playoff games has been against the run. I can think back to when they played the LA Rams in 2019 and they fell apart, gave up over 300 yards on the ground to the Rams. That's not something I think is going to happen tomorrow night because Obviously, the Buccaneers, they can't run the ball. They're last in the league. But the Cowboys, they're getting back Leighton Van Der Esch and Jonathan Hankins, two key players on that defense when it comes to the run game. With all this being said, let's go ahead and get to my keys to victory for tomorrow night's wild card game. Number one, the Cowboys need to get the ground game going. One thing that Tampa Bay has not done very well this year is stop the run. They give up 120.7 yards per game as an average this season, something that the Cowboys can easily surpass tomorrow night. The Dallas Cowboys have one of the best running back tandems in the NFL with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Tony Pollard has had an insane season for being the number two guy. A lot of times, you're not going to come in and you're going to get those big reps but he has 193 carries on the year, which is 23rd, just over 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. Tony Pollard has had a phenomenal season. And really, Elliott hasn't done all that much worse. 231 carries, 876 yards, and 12 touchdowns. If the Cowboys want to win this game, they have to get the ground game going. And that doesn't just mean Elliott and Pollard. That means we might need to see that vintage Dak Prescott that we haven't seen in a while. Dak, before his ankle injury, was running the ball all the time, and I would like to see Dak get back to that. He's a big guy. He's physical. He can take a hit, and the Cowboys need Dak to use his legs to win this game tomorrow night. Number two, find a way to stop Tom Brady. As I mentioned, they can't really run the ball. 76.9 yards per game is not good at all. Dead last in the league. But Tom Brady still finds a way, especially when it comes to the playoffs, to work his magic. One thing I'm thinking of is back in 2020, Tom Brady beat the Washington football team by just a single score. Taylor Heineke, the backup in that game, almost wins it for Washington. But Tom Brady worked some magic and was able to win that game. I think we could see something very similar happen tomorrow night if the Cowboys can't find a way to stop Tom Brady. And the third key is to finish strong. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, obviously the Cowboys need to finish strong. However, it's not something they've been very good at doing this season. You look at the game against the Jaguars and the game against the Packers. They blew big leads going into the fourth quarter and they lost both of those games in overtime. The Cowboys, they cannot afford to give Tom Brady any opportunities to come back. So with that being said, the Cowboys, they need to have a solidified lead and finish strong going into the fourth quarter. If you look at some of the Cowboys' recent postseason losses, you'll see that it came down to almost a final possession in the fourth quarter. You look, obviously, back eight years ago, the Des Bryant catch. Then you look Jared Cook in 2018. Aaron Rodgers hits him on the sideline. Mason Crosby hits a 50-yard field goal to win the game. You look last year against the 49ers. You have a quarterback sneak up the middle that doesn't go your way. You're not able to get the snap off. 
The Cowboys cannot afford to make this a tight game and make it to where Tom Brady just has to drive down the field to win the game. I have full faith in Dak Prescott that he's able to do that, but I don't know if this defense, which is so banged up, is going to be able to hold up in the final minutes of a game against the greatest quarterback that has ever played in the NFL. I wish I could sit here and tell you that I'm totally confident that the Cowboys can win this game tomorrow, but to be honest with you, I'm really not all that confident, especially the way they ended the year against Washington. But one thing that we're going to have to do is just wait and see. we got to take it one second at a time with the Cowboys tomorrow night on ESPN at 7.15 Central Time. Tune in because the Cowboys could be moving on to play the Philadelphia Eagles or the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Divisional Round. As always, I want to say thank you for listening And if you don't already subscribe, make sure to do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. If you're on social media, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Wrap Up. Until next time, I'm Alec Rapp, and this has been The Wrap Up.